Becoming has a lot to do with unbecoming. And I think that is a lesson that we are all learning right now. A global pandemic, systemic racism, things that are really coming to the forefront in our lives and in full view. And lessons that I have been learning over the years about myself and about what I truly believe about life and who I think I am, well, they're changing. And I'm reevaluating and coming to new conclusions. Around the age of 40, I think something really switched in me when I all of a sudden realized that who I had become was no longer serving me because I had spent a lot of time becoming that woman. And so I started the process of unbecoming her. But if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s and 30s, then you might still be in the becoming part of your life. And that's totally normal and you have to be in that place. But I know you're probably asking yourself a lot of questions about who you are and what you believe and who you want to become. And I want to spare you a bit of pain that I went through because I spent a good portion of my adult life trying to become what I thought other people wanted me to become and not really knowing who I was meant to be for myself. The day came when I finally realized that living like I was living was no longer serving me. It was not the life I was truly meant to live. So I started down the path of shedding the layers of who I had become up until that point, because for me, my identity had been rooted in what I did, the talents that I was bringing to the table and my job and the positions I found myself in, the influence that I had within my community. And when I changed careers in 2014 and I left full-time ministry, I went through this real identity crisis because I no longer was the woman I had once been because I had put so much energy into doing. Emerging from that, I began to get a real big picture view that the person I had become was rooted in doing and not in being. And maybe you're seeing that surface in your life right now through the pandemic because of what has happened in our world And maybe you know that you want to reevaluate where you are and really become the woman you were truly meant to be. Finding your identity doesn't have to be in the things that you do, but in the person you are becoming. And that journey is something that we go on throughout our entire life. And it may feel strange to think that you can discover your identity in times that are difficult, but... That's actually where your character is formed and where you have a better understanding of who you've been created to be and what you truly want moving forward. As kids, we grow up thinking one thing about our lives and we put a lot of energy and effort into the role of motherhood and being a wife and having a certain status and influence in the world. But then we realize that those are just roles we play. They're not who we are. They're just things that we do. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, if my identity is not wrapped up in any of those things, then what does it consist of? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. 
You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello, friends. I think I've finally stopped counting what week of quarantine we're in because, quite frankly, it all feels the same. I wish there was a little bit of a break in the monotony every now and again, but a lot of it feels like a repetition of the day before. I don't know if you are feeling the same thing, but I've been trying to stay connected to what makes me feel most like myself, and yet I see myself changing every single day. There is so much happening in the world. There are so many things that I am just going through the process of trying to figure out and understand. And it feels a little bit like a refining of character, letting go of ideas and thoughts and ways of doing life that just no longer serve me. Last week on the podcast, we released an episode from 2017 with Tanya Klesnik, where we talked all about courage and how courage finds us in the darkest moments. And today, I'm excited to share with you another great episode that was originally released the beginning of 2018. And it's all about discovering our identity in the midst of our darkest times. And we have been through some pretty dark times. And you may be seeing a little bit of a theme here. If you haven't figured it out already, I truly believe that now is the best time for us to be taking a look inward to see who we've truly been created to be. Every single one of us. I don't think that there is a person out there that does not need to do this. Because without the noise, without the pressure of work or relationship, we get to actually figure out who we've been created to be. Because when we do get back to some kind of normal rhythm, we'll either be stuck with the same patterns, the same way of doing life, or we'll be in a position to be prepared for those opportunities to take advantage of the things in life that are going to present themselves to us. So my friend Kathleen is someone that I loved sharing back in 2018. I wanted to re-air her episode because she is someone that I believe is empowering young women to truly step into their own sense of identity. And I think that is what we all need right now. So even though this episode was originally aired in 2018, I think that it is definitely a word for us right now in life because life is so chaotic and uncertain and many of you may be searching to discover who you are in all of it I truly believe that you can find your identity apart from what it is that you do Kathleen I am so excited to have you on the courage cast this morning and I have been waiting for several months to have <laughs> you on and so I'm thrilled and I know that you're like basically waiting to give birth to your third child here. (laughs) So we are cutting it close to the wire with having you on, but thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. So honored, a little intimidated, but so honored that you would uh, include me. Think I have something to say maybe. (laughs) No, I completely include you in on the list of amazing women that have been a part of this journey. And um, I love that we have gotten to know each other over the past few years and I actually met you through your husband who at the time when I met him, Bobby, he was an intern for me at a church that I was working at. And then he met this 
girl well, I actually knew this girl and he had this huge crush on her and yeah, he would I tell did. me about <laughs> <laughs> he would tell me about her and it was you and so I've loved watching the journey that you guys have been on you guys dated and then got married and had kids and <laughs> it's been amazing so to be both a part of uh, Bobby's life and yours so why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're passionate about yeah so that's funny because that yeah it wasn't that long ago I guess it would have been I don't know maybe six years ago um, six or seven that that he was interning with you and the last it it's been a really big blur the last several years because we've just had a lot happen. Lots of, lots of moves. Um, a lot of those moves have been like three times in the same city, uh, starting our careers and, and graduating from school. We both um, graduated a little bit later on, which is fine because met each other and it worked out well. And then we thought it'd be a sweet idea while all that was going on to have lots of kids. So yeah, this is our, our third that we're expecting. Um, but I have had the best kind of time in the last five years discovering more so like what my passions are. And, and it has really, when you kind of live in, in organized chaos, you, I think your passions get defined quicker and uh, cause you're just trying, we, we just embrace whatever adventure kind of comes. So um, we've embraced a lot of adventure and it's helped me see and work through like what my main passions kind of are um, and then how to incorporate those into who I am and what I do and, and what we do as a family and, and even Bobby's and, and aligning those. And, and so other than like my family, which I'm obviously passionate about and, and my faith, um, I've got some pretty big ones. It seems to be that probably since I was like 18, there's been this growing sense of passion towards um, gender equality probably because I'm a woman, most likely. Um, and then just different fields I, I've, I've pursued and kind of dreams I've had, uh, seeing kind of a need for that uh, to contribute my voice to, not that the fight seems like an odd, an odd term, but um, the progression of gender equality. And, and that has led me to be really passionate specifically about young girls, young teenage girls, um, especially now I'm no longer a teenage girl, um, but that it's interesting that passion really started when I was a teenage girl still, um, just to encourage young girls to really pursue a life that they're going to love, uh, that they do love, and that they'll feel a great sense of purpose in living because uh, that's something that really has gripped me um, in my life is is just seeing well, and, and I've gone through it personally myself, but really seeing young girls um, not living a life that they love and, and not for many reasons feeling a great sense of purpose in what they're doing or, or pursuing um, futures that are going to bring great purpose into their life. So I'm really passionate about that demographic, that age group specifically of really empowering them and encouraging them. Um, that's why uh, just last March, I relaunched an organization, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but called Tatter Tierras. And the organization is really like the, the vision is to um, raise up a generation of young girls who recognize their influence and their um, 
uh, or their value, sorry, and their capability for influence in the world. And so, um, yeah, I'm really committed to that. Uh, it's a hill I'm willing to die on. And then as well, just over the last, I would say two years, um, I'm very, very passionate about mental health, all things mental health, ending the stigma that I see surrounding it, understanding how to better care for my own. Uh, after the birth of my second child, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. And it seems to have, I don't know if there's a timeline on those things, but I figured it would be a, a couple month journey, but it's actually turned into a, a two year um, fight that continues. So yeah, just really caring for my own and then educating people around me who kind of come into my world on how they can better support the people that they love who are fighting a mental health battle. So I would say if you were to sum up like people who know me, it would probably pretty easily tell you that I care a great deal about um, yeah, gender equality, helping young girls, and then mental health awareness as well. You know, what's amazing to me is that, and the, it's very ironic all at the same time that you are a mother of two boys, another on the way, <laughs> a third boy and your husband's like all boy. Like yes. he is like, <laughs> you're basically, um, you know, going to have your own hockey team yeah. at the end of this. That's the hope and for you, him apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is great because, and yet you are still so focused on helping women and girls. And I love that about you. And I love, I think that connection that we have made even over the years ourselves mm -hmm. to, you know, really help women and empower women. And for me, it's been, you know, helping women in their twenties. So the millennials, early thirties. And for you, cause you're, you're younger than I am. Yeah. You're helping me. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. It's, it's looking down again, the pike and seeing, okay, as these girls are growing up and, and I love that because I think to myself, I remember also being a teenager mm -hmm. and having really incredible women around me and, and seeing that. And I feel very fortunate that I did, but I don't think all girls do. No. Yeah. And I think in the society that we are living in now, there are so many more things, there's so many more demands, there's so many um, more pressures for young women that to have that guidance and to have people that they can kind of come to like yourself mm -hmm. is exactly what they need. How how did you get into that? Like I know you were in full-time pastoral role yeah. prior to doing this. So like, tell me a little bit, what was that transition for you? Yeah, it was tough because, um, essentially like when I was, when I was 18, when I was finishing high school, um, I wasn't in a great place. I had a really tough, uh, four years, um, experienced trauma, experienced a lot of, um, you know, battle with my mental health and, uh, low confidence, insecure, all of the things that really I've incorporated into Tadratiras as, um, you know, goals and action steps have stemmed out of personal experience probably. So when I knew early on that I wanted to work with that age group, um, but then it was interesting because I didn't know what it looked like. Like I just, I just knew I was passionate about it. I knew that I wanted to help. I knew that I wanted to 
uh, cause change. I knew I wanted to be a support. I wanted to like really be a, a cheerleader in so many ways for teenage girls. Uh, so I started to look through how can I do that? And I remember I applied to schools for drug and alcohol addictions counseling. And I thought maybe that's what I'll use to get uh, into, you know, working with young people. And that was good, but I never ended up pursuing it because it just, it just never felt right. Whatever that means, I've seemed to carry it throughout my life. Like it just doesn't feel right. I don't think that's um, what I'm supposed to do, but I have tried a lot of things to get to where I am now. So but then really it was the, I took a year instead of going off to school to join a program where we worked with uh, teenagers and we traveled around Canada, traveled throughout the States mainly. And we, we kind of did these motivational services. They were faith-based mostly, but we did uh, school assemblies as well. And I started to see that there was some skills in me that seemed to come out naturally. And then I had some great people in my life mentor those and affirm those, which is, you know, public speaking, uh, writing, and mainly kind of public speaking and just, and using my story for influence in the lives of other young people. And, and I can honestly say, like, I still remember very vividly that kind of those first moments of holding a microphone, being vulnerable with my experiences and having conversations with young girls who are relating to some of the things I'm saying. And then we have this moment together where I can see on their face that they are, something's clicking in for them, whether it's a sense of uh, validation for where they're at. And I can honestly say like, there are a few feelings I've experienced in life like that, because I felt like this is what I've been kind of made to do. And so still though, I'm like, well, what job is there for that? Uh, I started, I was, my world was kind of surrounded by uh, the church. And so, and for the first couple of years, I went to Kansas city, Missouri for two years after that one year of being in that program, I furthered those skills in a church setting. So then I kind of thought after two years, well, I need an education somewhere. Like I can't just kind of go around talking about my story. Like I really want to have some I really want to have, I want to be educated. I I don't want to just be talking out of personal experience all of the time. And so I thought I will go to um, college. Like I'll go back to Canada. And I went to George Brown college for a year of child and youth work. Cause I thought that's the closest I had kind of come to in my mind of how I can help young people is child and youth work. And so I did really well in that program. I was on the dean's list. I, I, my confidence was really built over that time because in high school, right, like I, I didn't do well at all. And so to see that I actually had it within me to succeed was incredibly life-changing. And I finished that year out though, and I still felt like this isn't it. Like it, it still was a mold that I was trying to kind of grow into. And it wasn't I wasn't getting that same sense of feeling that I had before of, yes, this is it. And so then, and I I remember thinking in these days, like I have commitment issues. I'm just scared of following through. I had all these doubts of maybe I'm just, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. And that's why I'm changing my mind all the time. But Mm -hmm. um, there actually seems to be this theme throughout my life of really being okay with changing my mind. And it has worked well for me because it has gotten me to where I am now, which that with that long uh, explanation I just gave you led me to 
go to Bible college, which is where I met, you know, Bobby, my husband, and not why I went, just to clarify for anyone listening, but because <laughs> it tends to happen sometimes. But um, and then there I I had to again work through what does it look like because there wasn't a program for running your own organization for teenage girls. Like that didn't exist. There's kind of two streams you chose. And I chose youth ministry. So it was incredible because I got equipped with lots of, a lot of skills in um, dealing with family dynamics and adolescence. And I just kind of, after that, thought the natural thing to do, I married a pastor and I was becoming a pastor myself. And so I thought I'll work for a church. And so that, um, and we also, we loved our church and I love doing youth ministry with Bobby. He graduated before me. So he got hired first because it just made sense. <laughs> and we did it together, uh, like weekly. I led along with him and I loved that. Uh, but I guess it was, I started having kids in there too. I, I went to, back to work for the church when my first son was two months old. And so the last three years have been working out for me and gaining the courage to kind of take a big risk to step out of a, a, spef- a specific career and say, you know what, there maybe isn't a program I go to or there isn't a job I'm going to be offered to do exactly what I think I'm supposed to do. And so I might just need to build it. And I might just need, and that's kind of where this whole entrepreneurial thing comes in is, I don't know, just maybe take a risk and just try to try to build whatever's in my heart and my mind um, of what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I had the founder of Tatter Tears actually um, a few years ago. So she founded the organization in 2009, um, Kim Moran in Bowmanville here in the Durham region. Uh, and then it has dissolved over the last several years. And so she had actually knew my heart for young girls and said, Hey, I'm just going to, this is going to dissolve. I don't have, she had lots of other um, dreams and and aspirations that she was, you know, um, pursuing and said, do you want this? And it was this very, I just, I'm an emotional person. I actually started bawling in a parking lot um, because I was like, yes, like this, I will. I will do this and, and, and I'll do it fully. Um, and so I resigned from my job at the church, uh, knowing that I could still be involved with young people in youth ministry with, with my husband. And I just kind of went for it. Whatever it was, I started to um, build from scratch my dream. Not from scratch because I've been thinking about it since I was like 18, but um, from scratch and, and not really knowing what the heck I'm doing. Um, and it's been a great risk that I've taken because it seems to be going well. And I get that feeling so often where I stay awake at night in a good way, you know, sometimes with anxiety, but more often just with more dreams and um, just being incredibly thankful for the many experiences over those, you know, the last several years uh, that have built up my courage to say, I'm, I'm okay with now stepping out and just figuring this out. Come what may, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a really good shot. So that's what I'm doing kind of now. That was a long question. (laughs) I remember when we were chatting, it was a few years ago before you actually went into the nonprofit and, you know, you were leaving 
your role. You had had your first son and it was like, you were like, Andrea, you know, should I do this? I remember yeah, that. I have that a question. written in a notebook I found the other day of my conversation with you. And it's so funny. Yes. <laughs> and I was like thinking like, yeah, yes, you should. <laughs> and I knew though at the time, you know, cause the entrepreneur life and also when you're creating something is so different than just the traditional type of job. And yeah. we've had so many conversations over the past years about women in roles um, that are our leadership roles in the church. And yeah. then now you've taken on even another kind of leadership role where you've had to kind of, you know, forge your own path and you've had to um, make something new again. Yeah. How have you been able to do that? I think that most importantly, I had to, and I'm still, I mean, when I say I had to, I'm, I'm still doing it daily, but I had to make a decision about an identity decision that, um, and I, and you've said this to me, I, it will stick with me forever. It was during those conversations where I was talking about, but Andrea, like, you know, how do I be, how, how can I be a mom and still a pastor and resign from my job as a pastor? And then pursue this organization and what if it doesn't work and and here are all the roles I kind of want to experience in my life and and you helped me work through the thought process that I actually was I was putting a lot of stock in certain roles of my life as being my sole identity and that made it hard to take risks and that made it hard to transition um, because I remember uh, and, and I still kind of have a few moments of feeling like this, but but not enough to um, kind of hold me back. But I remember when I had to make the decision to resign a, as a pastor at a church, and I felt like I was letting girls down because I had worked so hard in in a field where I saw such a shortage of examples of of women in in ministry and and women in positions of leadership within the church and. I was, I had a sense of pride in that I made it and I had incredible people in leadership empowering me and giving me opportunity. And it almost felt like, why would I let that go when I've been given the opportunity to set such a, such a great example for young girls? Cause remember like, that's what my passion is. And, um, I had to, I had to kind of step back and, and really look into myself and say, just because a role looks different um, doesn't you know doesn't mean I, I'm I've failed or I've, I've quit something um, though it felt like I did like I'm still very much a pastor and I and I had to remember that just because I'm you know not working uh, being employed by a church doesn't mean that I've I've stopped trying to give a voice to that area like I, I've I've incorporated that into very much into into who I am and what I do and I, I think I got my courage kind of back when I saw I didn't lose a part of myself. I'm still myself. Uh, it's just that my, my dreams kind of, they, they shifted. I think dreams shift. I think, you know, what my 18-year-old mind thought my dream was. It actually, like, it involved not a lot of work, <laughs> I don't think. It involved a lot of affirmation, few obstacles. And, and I've realized, you know, growing up that that's just not the case, that dreams you've got to really work hard for, and you have to narrow it down to, 
the key values that you have as a person. And my key values haven't changed at all, even though over the last couple of years, my, my position, my, um, my career, I guess, whatever it is, ha- has changed. And so, yeah, I've kind of stepped into this new uh, role for, and I, and for setting an example for young girls of, you know, just don't wrap your identity up in anything really like, because change is great. And, uh, and that's part of the adventure. And if you're going to pursue a dream, chances are it's going to take you a bit to figure out what that looks like. And so I think identity, yeah, was a really hard part in, in transitioning and making those decisions because you realize really quick what your identity is in. When I got a lot more affirmation when I was a pastor at a church, surprisingly, like I still dealt with some opposition from people who didn't think I should be there, but, um, none of the people who I've given, you know, who I take their voice into great consideration. But, um, you know, I, it is a lot harder to pursue a dream when you're sitting at home with young kids and you're like surrounded by dishes and mess and you don't want to do any of it. And you're like, really, I'm a director of an organization. It doesn't feel like it, like nobody is seeing what it takes for me to do this and and being okay with that you know what, my affirmation cannot come from other people or I would have quit so long ago <laughs> because nobody sees what it takes, you know? Exactly. So. <laughs> you know, you're, 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 it's so funny. Like, I'm just totally going, going to out us right now. Yeah. But like both <laughs> Kathleen and I, like before this, like I'm in my pajamas Yeah. and Kathleen, you know, snuck out of her house to her husband's office yes. and, you know, she says, she had hat head. She doesn't actually look that bad. But um, <laughs> when you said that, I was like, that is so true. It's like, we have this glorified image of what we think it's supposed to look like, yeah. of yeah. what our lives are supposed to look like. And the finished product of what we put out in life is so often it's, well, it's generally never like what is actually happening. Yeah. No. And never. behind the scenes. And what it takes for us as women to, you know, like you said, like you, these kids are running around, the dishes aren't done. No one would ever, would ever believe that I'm a leader. No yeah. one would ever believe that I'm a boss. No one would ever believe that I have anything to put into the world. And yet as women, that is what makes us have so much to put into the world. Yeah. Exactly. If we didn't have to navigate all of those things, our emotions, if we didn't have to navigate our thoughts, if we didn't have to navigate hormones, if we didn't Mm -hmm. have to navigate, (laughs) you know, it it is what gives us the credibility to be able to speak into so many situations that we are constantly trying to hide and avoid doing because we think we need to be another way. We need to be more like a man or, um, you know, show less, just put out the most presentable part. And, and the reality of it is, is most women want to show up, um, in life in yoga pants and, you know, and not have (laughs) to worry about the fact that, you know, they still have a, a sink full of dishes. Yeah. And that it's okay. Like, why, why is it not okay that my sink is full of dishes? Like, that's not my prior, my priority today. Like, yes. And, and that should be allowed. And yet so many women think that's not allowed. I have to deal with the dishes before I go and pursue this dream. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You can do it all at the same time. 
<laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, before I change the world, yes, <laughs> must make sure the trash has been taken out. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, with different stages of life that people are in, like they find themselves maybe feeling one way or another. And so there could be women who resonate with that, but maybe there it's like, okay, well I can actually ask for help. I can get someone to come in and clean my house for me and oh, I don't yeah. have to do it. Yeah. Or I can be, um, you know, sending my kids to daycare yeah. or I can ask someone to help me with my business. Uh, that is something that I'm not really good at. And I think even for myself, as I've, you know, kind of journeyed this as well, mm -hmm. I've, you know, started to learn about how I really do have to ask for help and I don't know everything. Oh, so much like, and, and that is, I believe that what you just said is what will change your entire life is. And, and yeah, it's sad because before some, especially women, I think before they get to the place where they're willing to do that, to accept help, it tends to be in these moments where you're at rock bottom or you, you do yes. it out of survival. And sadly, that's what I, I did. I had to, when I got diagnosed with postpartum depression, I, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with my life. Yet I had these, yet it's so ironic that I launched my organization in the middle of that, in the middle of my darkest yeah. time, because I so desperately needed to feel that sense of purpose. But in order to do it, uh, I had to swallow so much of my pride in this and so much of what I thought culture was saying, this is how you need to get through this. Uh, I had women, God bless them, like who came into my house and I had to let them do my laundry. And I don't know for women listening, like that, I don't know, that's kind of weird. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> really, you know, like you always talk about, you don't want to air your dirty laundry. Literally, I have people yeah. touching my dirty laundry. Like, and I, and it took a while to get comfortable with it. Um, I had people come and uh, fold the, my clothes in the, or my sheets in the linen closet. I had people, I would call up, my emergency like helpline people in my life and say, I need you to come watch the kids because I just need a break. Um, and I actually have, I'm proud of that. I've become good at accepting help because you know what I discovered when you accept help from people is that we all have something to offer people. And mm -hmm. there are people waiting in your life who have something to offer you, who want to offer it to you. And oh, if you good. don't accept it, you're kind of, you're in a way you're robbing them of using their gifts and using who they are. And I've just accepted the reality that there are people who are way better at cooking than me at, yep. there are people who find so much fulfillment in helping my son learn his letters, you know, and it brings me so much joy to watch that. I don't have the capacity to sit and give a lot of time to that and what is healing is when i've accepted that does not make me a poor mom it doesn't make me a bad woman uh it makes me honest when i say this just isn't this isn't my thing this isn't where i thrive it's not what i have it's not the best of me that i have to offer my family or i have to offer these girls but there are people who have that to offer them. And so when I say I need help or in my, in my business, when I say I have no idea 
um, how I'm supposed to be keeping these books right now. And I call up my friend who does, and I'm my organizational guru. And I say, keep me out of jail. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? And they help me the world. Oh my goodness, Andrea. Like, and I know you know this because it's literally why you do what you do, but the world is so much better and we are so much better when we do what we do well and people let us do that. And then we bring people around us who just, you know, uh, cause us to activate our potential further. And then we help them activate theirs by contributing what we have to offer. It's so fun, but we do it so rarely and it's sad. You know, you're, you're right. And it, it's so true because I can think of so many examples in my life along the way where I've had to learn that very hard lesson Mm -hmm. and I'm still, I'm still learning it. Like, don't get me wrong here. Like I have a ways to go, but there are moments where I'm like, oh, I can do this and I should be able to do this. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, you're, you're right. Like when we are functioning out of our purpose and our potential, and we are actually doing those things that we are able to do so well, it's so life-giving for us. And it's also life-giving for other people. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't have to cook you a great meal. Like here's an example, an interesting (laughs) example. I have a friend coming over tonight and I always like want to just basically say to her, pick up something on the way over here because I'm not making you dinner. No. And it won't be good if I do like, yeah. (laughs) And she, here's the, the crazy part is she's actually like a great cook and a great baker. But in my mind, it feels sometimes really difficult to say like, Hey, why don't you bring the stuff over and then make us dinner? Yeah. Because it feels, I don't know, like like I should. Those are the rules. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed exactly. to go get Costco and pretend you made it, but we exactly. do sometimes. <laughs> and even though she is fully aware of my ability level yeah. to cook. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's interesting. Like even with the podcast as I, this is, and sadly, this has been something that has only just arisen in my life to really have to ask for help because there were so many things about doing the podcast that I didn't know. And I wanted to make better. And in order to do that, I had to let go of the reins and I had to start asking people and um, positioning myself in my life to accept help. Yeah. And to say, you know what? Hey, I don't know everything about this. And um, it's only going to be good if someone else's hand is on it and not just my own. And people don't know if you don't ask too, right? Like oh, the for people sure. that have helped you, you know, get this to be what it is um, may have never known because they look at you as someone with such high capacity and it doesn't impact your capacity, by the way, by asking for help, but it's being honest of, Hey, you could make this better, but yeah, you, ha- you have to be willing to put yourself out there and to ask no matter how you're responded to really. Now, how in your own family life, like with your husband and like, how has that worked for you, you know, navigating, you know, starting this nonprofit Mm -hmm. also, you know, raising kids, the mental health things that you are working through, like, what has that been like with, with him in the picture as well? Yeah. Well, I, man, I, I'm just so thankful. Like part of, and I get there's sometimes you don't realize things until you have hindsight. And I'm accepting that, especially working with teenagers. I so badly want to just have them listen to me. It's like, listen to me. If you listen to this, it will save you so much grief or, or this is such an important decision that you're going to make. Let's, let's try to talk about how you can 
decide well how you can choose well. And I think there are few decisions you make in life greater than who you're going to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those things you don't, I guess it's a bit of a wild card. You don't know until you're with them, um, the full scope of who they are. Right. And, and they don't even know that you discover as you go together, but there's a few key things I think that are important to look out for in those beginning stages. Um, before you walk down an aisle and promise forever to a person. And I just am so thankful that it's worked out well <laughs> in the sense of who I have chosen. And um, there must have been things that I saw in those beginning stages that, uh, you know, gave me confidence that I was marrying um, a great supporter and encourager of me. Uh, and uh, Bobby has been that. Um, and I think the most important thing that has allowed this in such a like because honestly like the past two years especially have been very 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 hard with my mental health and and I felt so discouraged so many times because I felt like my capacity was just chopped in half and I felt um, really unfulfilled in moments and I just felt especially when I have like Bobby's a very high capacity person as well Um, he's an incredible leader he's an incredible pastor he's an incredible person and so it was really hard to be like feel like I was just failing in so many ways and to to be with somebody though that does that values my life I mean I'm sure he maybe even more than his own but definitely as equal to his own um and along with that to value who I am and the things I love and it's part of why he loves me is because I love the things that I do and from the very beginning you know, some, some, it, t- it takes some conversations. Like he's a very humble person. So he has come to me many times and said, I need you to explain to me again, you know, mm-hmm. this thing about whatever it is, gender inequality. What about the wage gap? Why is there women that are underrepresented in here? And what does it affect? And I love him for that. I love that he doesn't just be like, oh yeah, you're right. Like he asks, like, just explain it to me because I want to understand. And he's committed to, to learning. And then as he learns things, I just watch him play that out in our lives. And, and from the beginning, we've both kind of said to each other, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he's like, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, we don't know. Like, this is the first time we're parents, pastors, like yeah. husband and wife. Um, but we want to be in this for the long haul in everything that we do. What do we value? And then how can we both make sure that we're kind of cheering each other on and pursuing our individual dreams? And then what are the dreams that we have as a couple. And one of the things that I guess a vision kind of that we have for ourselves is that we want to be people who set an example for, especially the students that are coming up underneath of our leadership of there isn't just one way to do things. And so Bobby and I are very uh, open and vocal about the fact that he cooks way more meals than I do. And it is funny because I can cook. Like people kind of think I'm just going to burn everything. I can. It's just I, I have no desire to do it. And he doesn't mind it. And so he does it. Um, we are very, we share the parenting load. Um, we constantly reevaluate what we're doing, um, even career wise, of saying, okay, is there a way that we can maybe work this out a little more so that I can, um, you know, work at Tatter Tierra's, uh, spend some more time with that. Um, immediately when I wanted to launch that. And that was a dream of mine. He, he didn't even, I mean, and, and as he shouldn't, like he didn't shut it down at all. He said, this is amazing. 
let's see how we can do this. What do you need me to do? Do you need me to work part-time? Do you need me, do you want to work full-time? Like, and I didn't choose that, but the, I'm, I'm confident and it makes such a difference to know that the option's there Mm -hmm. and that he's not just saying it as some empty words. Like he is committed to, uh, coming behind me and cheering me on just like I am to him. And so with that means we do things a little differently in our home as parents. Um, we've brought in support to care for the kids while he's working and I'm working. I lead with him and he can't really come to my girls events. So he doesn't do that, but, uh, in whatever I need, he just, he helps. And, um, you know, we also take the same approach to how we're going to love our neighbors around us, how we're going to love people. And he's just gifted in areas I'm not. I'm gifted in in areas that he isn't. And so we just kind of live life the same way that we encourage other people to pursue their dreams. It's like, do what you do well. And the things you don't do well, maybe I do. And it makes natural sense for me to be the one who steps in. And he's setting such a great example for our son. So it is ironic I don't have any daughters. Um, But I'm very proud that my sons have someone like him to look up to. And you as well. Both of you. Both (laughs) of you for sure. And, and you're, you know, definitely challenging the stereotypical roles, which Mm -hmm. I love that you're doing and knowing Bobby, as I do myself in knowing how he is, you know, um, able to care for you, but also able to do things that, you know, might seem less of a traditional male role, yeah. Which is you're you're also wanting to challenge those things in society and in for girls anyways. And that's happening in your own home. And yeah. so it's kind of like leading by example and leading through how you live and saying, you know what, there is another way to do this. And it doesn't have to be exactly like we've seen done over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And and that's amazing to me. I know for myself. It's hard because I think, you know, I probably should have done certain things by this point in my life. But as the older I've gotten, the more I have an an understanding that this is my life and the only person who can make it great is me. Exactly. And I can't expect that a job or an opportunity or a relationship will have ever filled those gaps. Yeah. It will only have ever been what my faith is like and who I am in that Mm -hmm. and how I'm able to create that in my life. Um, and then everything else is a byproduct. Exactly. Yeah. Of, of what I'm doing in my personal time. And, um, that is an outflow. Everything outflows out of that. So I love that. And of course, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of Bobby. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad you were there for him. <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like I could, you know, if this was a different podcast, I could totally tell so many stories about that young man. He's now getting older, but um, yeah. <laughs> he's just such a wonderful human being. And so to see the two of you guys thriving and doing life together, but also leading um, together in so many different ways has been super encouraging even for me to see. Now, can you explain a little bit about like, what is Tattered Tears? Like how Mm -hmm. does that actually serve uh, young girls? Yeah. So I'm still working. I'm still working through a lot of it. And, and that I guess is one of those um, 
you know, those sacrifices you kind of make when, when you want to do a bunch of things at the same time. So here I am, you know, I'm due March 3rd. I still am leading and directing Tatter Tierras. And so with knowing when I launched it, I, I knew kind of what I was getting into my limited resources and time and, and whatever. Uh, but it has allowed me to just for whatever season, I don't know how long this lasts, but really narrow in on a couple of things because I have, and I'm sure that this has happened, happened to you too. Like I could lay awake and think for hours and dream for hours of all of the things that I want to do through this organization and all of the needs that exist in the life of a teenage girl. And, and I want to meet them all. And then there's the whole other aspect, you know, and I've been asked this of why aren't you leading a, what about teenage boys? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What about teenage boys? Like, no, no, I, I care about that. But it's like, I, I'm, we're a girl's organization, like, and that should be okay because yeah. here's where my giftings and skill sets are. And I want to do things with excellence. And it's almost like this triage that I've had to do of here are the main needs that I see in the life of a teenage girl. What can I meet well um, with what I have to give? And so when we launched uh, on International Women's Day in March, uh, we focused on a few different areas. We focused on our website where we, um, we essentially post like, resources for teenage girls and for people who work with teenage girls. So I kind of have this goal of I want to serve the teenage girl themselves mm -hmm. and I want to support the people who are in her life, who are influencing her. And so that may mean we created a resource for parents of when they, um, you know, it's called like, she's busted, now what? And it's, um, you know, you've caught, she's made a poor decision. You don't know how to respond to it. You're, you're heated, you're worried, you're concerned what are the first steps that you should take in responding to that in order to care well for her and to foster a healthy relationship with your daughter. And so that kind of serves, you know, the purpose of, of loving and supporting the daughter and as well recognizing there are a village of people around her influencing her. Um, how can we support them? And so we create resources online. Uh, we do essentially what you do for me through your podcast. I do for teenage girls through blog interviews. I introduce them to as many women as possible who are living different types of lives, who are pursuing different types of dreams um, by interviewing, interviewing different entrepreneurs, uh, women in different careers. I interviewed most recently a young girl who was battling cancer and I just asked her questions that I think would be, would serve young girls well to have an example. Like we were talking about, sometimes you can't see, right? An example of, of somebody who you can relate to or who's doing what you kind of are passionate about. And so I'm really committed to finding women who are willing to step into the lives, whether it's online world or not. Um, you know, who can set an example for our teenage girls of, hey, here's someone who's out there doing it, and they're doing it this way. You don't have to do it that way. But here, maybe you can take some pieces from her life to build up your courage. Uh, and so that's kind of our online thing. And then we, I have created two main workshops that we take into schools or into churches. Obviously, one is faith-based and, 
And one is just kind of built around common themes of influence and value. Mm -hmm. And so there's the Redefine Her workshop, which really tackles areas of self-care and mental health, uh, finding positive role models, working through the unique challenges that young girls face. And then there's another workshop that's called Girls Who Lead, and it is all, you'd like this one, I think. It's, it's all uh, surrounding women in leadership and uh, kind of the system that we live in, uh, some of the barriers that they may encounter, whether they go to school for whatever career or not, and being willing and kind of equipping them and empowering them to keep pursuing whatever that is that they're passionate about and to maybe start, start to narrow in those gaps mm-hmm. that we see in, in women in leadership. There's just, there's not enough. It's just, no one can deny that. <laughs> there's not enough women at the table. And so girls who lead really encourages girls to, while they're waiting to be at that table, uh, to just build, set their own, set their own with, with people who can kind of sit over a, uh, hypothetical meal and just pour into their life and encourage them and empower them and challenge them. And, um, so yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that as much as I can. I have to, when I have my child, I mean, I'm, I am a little crazy, so crazier than most maybe. So I'm going to keep powder tears going. Um, but it just, what I can do is maybe a little bit more limited, but those are our key things that we want to provide. Mm-hmm. That's great. Public. That's great. And I do love that, you know, thinking about, you know, as women are getting ready or young girls are getting ready to lead um, and they are leading in their peer group and they are leading in their teams yeah. and they're leading in their social circles. And it's so interesting because I think as women, we can invite people to the table we're sitting at. And yeah. so you know, I think that as society is changing and as we are creating new ways of doing things, it, you know, it's going to look a little different. It's going to look like Mm -hmm. we're not sitting at the same table as the board men because that board table has been disbanded. And now it looks like we're sitting in the living room and, you know, we are (laughs) have different voices and, different uh, ways of doing things. And so encourage girls, encourage women. If you're listening to this, um, that you do have a voice and that Mm -hmm. you do have something to say and a place to lead from. So I love that you are equipping the next generation, Kathleen. I love it. I love doing it. I love (laughs) it. Um, And I want to say thank you for even joining me today. And I want for people to be able to find you. So how can they do that? Where can they find you? Um, Well, I have a few different ways you could find me. My, uh, for Tattered Tierras, if you're interested in that, our website is just www.tatteredtierras.org.org. Our Instagram, I I don't know if everyone uses Instagram, but it is my favorite um, social media (laughs) app. I don't know if that's just us, but um, that is where I more heavily kind of post encouraging things for teen girls and, and that's at tattered tiaras. And then I don't, I mean, my, I told Andrea this before we started, I just said, my life is a pretty open book. And so I, people may not want me to share whatever or care about half the stuff I share, but if you want to see things I share, um, my personal website is kathleenvanangen.com. 
and I know Van Ingen is tricky. It's V-A-N-E-N-G-E-N. Um, or my Instagram is at Kath Van Ingen. So come whatever. I, I post all kinds of thoughts and things on there, but, and maybe if there was something relatable to you in, in this podcast, you'll find some more things that are relatable there. So I think those are the main places you could find me. Yeah. And I would highly encourage because I do, I actually find them very, very encouraging and inspiring as well. And I love how vulnerable you're able to be with your journey and how that it helps other women to know that they're um, okay if they struggle Mm -hmm. and if things aren't perfect. And so I want to say thank you for that and for everything that you're doing. And I want to wish you all the best on baby number three. Oh, thanks. I'll take it. And (laughs) (laughs) and in the next season um, of what's going to happen in your life and in your family. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I love it. Love talking to you all the time. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have been thinking about the roles that I play in my own life and how they are constantly shifting. And even though I'm not a mom or a wife, there are positions that I have found myself in and there have been moments when I've been wanting desperately to cling to a certain identity because I find in doing it makes me feel better about myself but the truth is we have to be careful not to look at who we are through the lens of what we do myself included it's about being the woman you've been created to be and the outflow of that comes through the doing. And right now, as we have been in 2020 during a pandemic, there's a lot of being happening in our lives. And that might feel stretching and uncomfortable, but I think it is so necessary for growing and really coming into the fullness of our identity. And I've heard a lot of my clients say to me, you know, I don't know who I am anymore. And there's a reason for that, because what's being revealed is they don't know what they want to do anymore. And so they're questioning who they are, because perhaps what they were doing wasn't working for them to begin with. And now they are seeing that really clearly. There is no better time than right now to take a look inward and then actually move to action. So if you're not sure where to begin, here are a few suggestions to help you move to action. Get real about what you truly value and prioritize in your life. And that is really understanding your core values in life and getting to the heart of what it is that you wanna prioritize moving forward. Maybe you can take a personality assessment and you know that my favorite one is called the Enneagram. And I will have a link to yourenneagramcoach.com and you can take their personality assessment. I love their site. I love everything that they do. And I think it is so helpful. They also have a podcast. You can listen to that as well. The next thing I'd say is observe your feelings about what is happening in your world right now. Write them down, take out a journal or record your voice notes or something, but be really honest about how you're feeling because how you're feeling and what you're thinking about life and where we find ourselves will have a huge impact on who it is that you are becoming. And then I would say the last thing is accept what you find without judgment because you might see that there are things that you do wish to change and then do that 
absolutely make those changes. But don't judge yourself or criticize yourself about who you were in the past, but just make those incremental shifts towards who you really truly desire to be in the future. And if you've done all of those things and you're ready to take the next step and you want to invest in your future and in your life and in really being that person that you desire to be and then doing something with it, then I want to encourage you to invest in yourself by getting a coach. I would love personally to work with you and I have a few spots that you can sign up for a free 30-minute coaching strategy session. We can talk about what it is that you truly desire in your life and how you can move forward. And if that's something you're interested in, then just go to andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule and book your time. I would love to chat with you. A huge thank you to Kathleen. I loved recording this podcast with you back in 2018. I love the fact that we are able to re-air it now, and I hope that you've all found it so helpful. So thanks for hanging out with me today. Make sure you connect with me over on Instagram at, at the.couragecast as well as on Facebook. Sending you so much love, my friend. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Krillie.